Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. And uh, one, of the, one of the more puzzling things about the last few weeks that we've seen certainly across the streets of, uh, of Canada, Toronto, the GTA, is the amount of support that we have seen being shown to Hamas from members of the LBGTQ community. Um, there's so many groups whether it's queers against Israeli apartheid, but there are a number of gay organizations taking part in these protests across Canada and the United States. But why? Because the country that they are protesting is the only country in the Middle East where those in the LBGTQ can actually live openly and free. I mean, you can absolutely criticize Israel, but members of the gay community, they seem to support the terror regime instead, which would be the first to kill them. And, you know, under Islamic Sharia law, homosexuality is absolutely forbidden. And human rights researchers rank, um, you know, the Palestinian territories among the worst in the world, not just to be a woman, but if you're in the LBGTQ community, um, you don't fit in that plan. So why is there so much support? Jonathan Al-Khuri is an Israeli-Lebanese Christian leader in Israel's LBG, LGBTQ community. He offers a pretty unique viewpoint on what's facing his community in the Middle East and his experience as a refugee from Lebanon going to Israel and how he was accepted there. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for joining us. Yeah, thank you very much uh, for having me. Maybe I can pick your brain a little bit because I can't figure it out as to why there would be so many people here in Canada and the United States out there in the streets marching in support of Hamas. Do they do they not understand the the... the that the Hamas and no terror country, most countries in the Middle East wouldn't accept them. What is the the connection for them? Yeah, I think uh, in my opinion, it goes beyond whether, uh, you know, uh, they accept them or not. It's kind of some sort of a fashionable thing now to do. It's just to go and demonstrate in what seems to be, you know, for human rights. And I do believe that a lot of these people that go out and demonstrate whether from the LGBTQ plus community, whether from other minorities across the world against Israel, what they want to show to their friends. And, you know, it's trendy now to become this this person that cares of what's going on in the other side of the world. But here's the deal where I don't actually believe any word that comes out of Queers for Palestine or part of the LGBTQ plus community or any other human rights organizations that go and, in, in, in other words, support Hamas uh, terrorist organization against Israel. They support uh, the ongoing attacks on Israeli life um, because, you know, throughout the years, none of them actually cared for LGBTQ plus rights or any human rights whatsoever under the Hamas terrorist organization in the Gaza Strip since they took power in 2006 or even, you know, under the Palestinian Authority. Uh, they, they are in the West Bank since 1995. So this is, in my opinion, we're talking about pure ignorance mm-hmm. of these activists they're just, you know, hopping on on this trendy subject and they're going to, to be honest, they're going to forget about it 
in, in, in 10 days. Yeah, well, when the next cause of the day comes, it just makes absolutely no sense. And so from your perspective, I mean, you are a refugee from Lebanon who went to Israel because I, and I, I would think, and Jonathan, correct me where I'm, I'm wrong, in your journey, likely weren't very open in Lebanon about your sexuality or, or your feelings, and, and yet you turned to Israel, which I think many would have seen as, as the enemy state. And so your journey as to why you turned to Israel, why? Yeah, well, uh, I came, uh, I fled to Israel when I was nine years old uh, uh, after my father for about 18 years worked shoulder to shoulder in the South Lebanon army with the IDF, with the Israeli Defense Forces, to protect our Christian community and uh, Shia Muslim community um, from the terror organization, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, from the PLO. Right. That what they did is that they, uh, uh, they occupied south of Lebanon during the 70s after Black September, and uh, they started slaughtering us. They started persecuting the Christians in the south of Lebanon. They started interfering with our lives. And not only that, they started attacking Israel from, uh, um, from Lebanon's border. Mm. And, you know, being a minority in the Middle East, we, we notice and we understand that as minorities, we need to protect each other. So that's why my father joined the South Lebanon army and he fought shoulder to shoulder with the IDF for 18 years. And when Israel decided to withdraw from South of Lebanon in, in May 2000, uh, Hassan Asala, the, the head of uh, the Hezbollah terrorist organization that now is in control in Lebanon, said that he was going to persecute everyone that was part of that military. And Israel opened the border for us. Israel gave us shelter. They gave us Israeli uh, uh, nationality and ID. And they gave us um, a place we could uh, grow and, and be the people who we are. And you mentioned the LGBT people's rights in Lebanon. And you're 100% you're correct. Uh, there is now an ongoing persecution of LGBT people's rights uh, in Lebanon from members of the Hezbollah terrorist organization that are sitting in the Lebanese government. Only three mm -hmm. months ago, we saw protests uh, that were calling to promote LGBT people's rights in the streets of Beirut that they were attacked by uh, extreme Christian groups, but also attacked by uh, the Hezbollah members uh, on the streets. And they said that this thing can't happen in Lebanon. We need to remind ourselves that homosexuality is still illegal in Lebanon yeah. um, under the criminal conduct code. So that's kind of something that, that for example, the LGBTQ plus uh, organizations worldwide didn't say a word about it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it happened only three months ago. Yeah, well, yeah, they... They've been uh, silent on a number of issues. Um, just scratch your head and, and it doesn't make sense. But Jonathan, um, I, I don't know what changes now. I mean, you know, two to three million Arab Arabs live in, in Israel. And this was before October 7th. That's not going to change. But what, do you have any concerns about it changing as far as acceptance in Israel? I mean, there will be, I would think, other people in the Middle East, gay, who would see Israel as their destination because they know that they will be accepted. But after the attack and the massacre on October 7th, is Israel going to still um, allow um, members of the LGBTQ community from, from you know, areas that, you know, uh, they would see as a threat? Yeah, well, as we speak right now, there's a lot of LGBTQ plus organizations in Israel that are in contact connection with LGBTQ plus members in the under the Palestinian Authority, or even from from uh, from the Gaza Strip, they're speaking to them under you know under the radar mm -hmm. to make sure that they're protected, to make sure that one day they will be able to leave because they are under constant threat and persecution from their government. Uh, the Israeli organizations were the ones to help. The Israeli law permits for these organizations to 
who help out um, members of the LGBTQ plus community that are, that are in the West Bank uh, and helping them, assisting them basically to flee from uh, from the West Bank, from their families and from the Palestinian Authority that since 2019 has issued arrest warrants against LGBTQ plus members and activists under their rules. And um, I, I, I do believe that the Israeli population and the Israeli government will continue to lend its hand to assist uh, uh, these individuals because we're talking about human lives. Israel has always helped. Uh, even right now, there are people who are being treated in Israeli hospitals that are coming from those areas uh, because this is what we are. This is, uh, we're, we're, we're a vibrant democracy, but all, not only a vibrant democracy for our citizens, but in assistance to other countries. We've seen how the IDF conducted themselves when the civil war in Syria started in 2011, while they opened, although Syria is an enemy state, but Israel opened field uh, uh, hospitals in order to assist some of the refugees who fled from the bombing done by Assad uh, uh, in Syria. They also helped refugees when uh, ISIS took over yeah. that came throughout uh, the Jordanian border. So Israel has always been there Israel has, and will always continue to be there. And, and, and that's something that for us is really, is really known. And, and for me as a, you know, an activist and an Israeli, it's really important for me to tell these stories to the world. Yeah, well, I would think at one point in your life, you probably looked at maybe Israel as, as an enemy and now it's your home. Yeah, well, I always grew up knowing that Israel is a vibrant democracy. And because I grew up in an area where I always saw the IDF surrounding us because I grew up in a military zone yeah. in south of Lebanon. Um, but I always knew that these are our allies. They're not there to hurt us. They're there to help us and assist, and assist us in order to be able to one day live life peacefully because the the end game of that war from 82 till 2000 and the end game of my parents joining the south lebanon army was to liberate south lebanon from the terrorists and hopefully to to have peace between israel and lebanon because when you talk to daily day lebanese people they're not really against israel and uh, uh you know that the existence of the state of israel it goes way back to even the 30s and 40s mm -hmm. when the high priests of lebanon were in, in great connections with the yeshiva UD and with the jewish uh, uh uh communities here in the land of israel and they always talked about two nation states one for the christians in lebanon and one for the jewish people in israel and that's something that stayed with a lot of lebanese people and they still do believe that till today um, and me, me going around and being part of uh, the organization Diplog, the organization that I worked at, uh, and spreading this kind of not only message for hope for the future, but also a message of you know a wake up call from the past, yeah. and to remember that the past that kind of unites us together here in the Middle East, um, particularly with the Israeli society and with Israel in general. Yeah. Uh, Israel has always showed that it's full intent is to have peace in the region. We've seen that with Jordan, we've seen that with Egypt, uh, we've seen that with the UAE and Bahrain and Morocco, and we've seen that with many others, also with the gas agreement uh, between Lebanon only a year ago, that Israel's intentions were always to have agreements and peace agreements with the surrounding countries. Fascinating time. Uh, Jonathan, we appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you very much, Alex. That That's is a... uh, you have a good day. Happy Hanukkah. And, yes. Uh, you as well. You as Thank well. You. Let's uh, hope for happier times, no doubt. That's uh, Jonathan Alcori, uh, who is speaking out as a member of the LGBTQ community on this because he feels it's that important.